Welcome to the Short Rod Show. You're talking with Ben. And you got Brett. We are on episode three of season two. Thanks for joining us, guys. It's uh, balmy, I don't know, 65 degrees outside today in Ankeny, Iowa. The furthest you think (laughs) away from ice fishing. Lovely. We're just sitting here dreaming about ice fishing, chatting it up again, having a good time. We got in on a little bit of ice fishing work, uh, prep work, earlier this week. Talk a little bit about your high facts kit, Ben. Yeah, that was pretty cool. If you guys are following us on our Facebook page, um, you saw we did a little high facts project to the otter, which was needed. Per- it was needed, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I guess uh, in looking at the old high facts, it wasn't, I didn't think it was that bad, but once we tore it apart, it was pretty well worn. Yeah, I think, what, brand new, they're probably, what, three-quarter inch thick? Yep. And there were areas of quarter inch. Yeah. If maybe a little less. It was It was worn down pretty bad. So that... I think I bought it this, well, November 2017 and put a Hyfax on it right away, the Otter Kit, you know, yeah. the Blue Runners. And you have to drill a million holes. <laughs> There's so many of those. Pain in the butt. Dang screws holding it all in. Um, so this year I was kind of looking up some other options, um, poking around, I think, on one of the, it, one of the Facebook ice groups, uh, ice fishing groups, and, and found a guy named Paul Kaufman who makes uh, custom Hyfax for basically any kind of shelter. Um, Eskimo, otter, uh, clam, all the main ones. Um, so got in touch with him and was like, Hey, just didn't have a lot of luck with the, the otter set. I just, I put it through a lot of hard use, but it didn't last that long. So I'm curious what the kind of, if, if listeners are tuned in that have changed out their high facts kit before, what kind of use do they get out? What kind of runtime do they get out of them? See, and, and I I was under you, the impression it lasts longer, but we also put it under some pretty high. I really don't ever hear, like, you don't, that's something I've never really heard of is people changing out their Hyfax kit. I hear people, hey, yep. you buy a new otter or you buy a new sled, put the Hyfax kit on it. You yep. want it. Just get it to preserve your sled. But I'd never really hear people talking about replacing them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we're the exception to that, but I know we uh, just beat the shit out of it. <laughs> I ran that thing over gravel. Yeah. Concrete. Pulling it up. Loading it in and out of the truck all the time on on the driveway. I could think of a few areas where you probably really lost some lost some plastic, and that's on the on the boat ramp up from Brushy. Yep. When you're pulling it from the bottom of the boat ramp all the way up to that upper parking lot, yep. up the boat ramp, onto the gravel, uphill, up gravel, mm-hmm. and then into the parking lot. Yeah, and that was what four or five times last year, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably done it's it a dozen times in its life. Yep, and it's always heavy. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, it's, it's always, always weighted down. Or down. sometimes I'm sitting in it, too, even while you're pulling it yeah. up there. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, I got in touch with Paul, and he makes, it's all custom. He uses the, uh, some kind of really slippery, hard runner-type plastic. Yep. And, uh, you know, makes the hardware, sends all that with it. So he made me a custom set. I actually made it two inches wide mm-hmm. and half an inch thick, um, which is, like, three times as wide as the old one was. Yep. Yeah, they actually cover the width of the, Yep. I don't know, whatever you call it, on the sled. Yeah, they're like the runner. runner. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that was pretty cool. Um, check check out our Facebook page, see the I pictures like, of that. I do like that it's, I like black. I like that's black. Mm-hmm. I always thought that blue was dumb looking. I like the black look on it now. It was probably cheaper. Otter could just buy Well, it, it just, matches their, it just yep. matches their color scheme, which yep. is all right, is what it is, I guess, but. Yep. I think that black looks good. Did pull pretty easy on the on the garage floor. Oh right yeah, there. it was glossy. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, what else are we gonna be talking about today, Brett? Uh, today we're gonna dive, take a deep, deep dive into our jigs. Uh, it's early season. Everyone's horned up about buying. All you hear, 
constantly is <laughs> oh i'm going to these these shows i'm going to these uh bait shops i'm buying some jigs i just pick up a couple more jigs for this year yada 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 yep i'm here to tell you, you probably don't need any more jigs uh <laughs> yeah if you're anything like us you have way too many to begin with and you're only gonna fish with a small part yep. of them so we're gonna go a little bit deeper into uh, the jigs we carry um maybe the different types of jigs so mm-hmm. you got you know your basic vertical horizontal jigs you got different weights you got different sizes uh colors uh, i mean there's just all sorts of things you got lead you got tungsten yeah for, just you, for huge... you guys who've, who've been asking for just some deep diving yep. into the into the weeds like we like to say yep. into the, all the details of it this will be your episode it'll be pretty cool yep so so you're telling me brett you're not gonna buy any more jigs this year mm, <laughs> no probably enough. not not unless I lose a couple. I don't have any plans. See, that's that's kind of my thing. I like to maintain where you know my same level, so it makes me feel better to buy a few. Maintain every year. and grow. I mean, how many do you lose in a year? <laughs> I could count on one hand probably the number of jigs I've lost. I know, but see, you were talking about losing them last week on on your bad knots. Yeah, the one. Yeah, that happens. But to I me still a lot. got a backup one. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I think I I almost need to am to the point where I should just write down what I lose so I can just go out and buy it again the next season and. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. Because there's some that, you know, maybe weren't that popular that I lost that, eh, no big deal, but. Yep. Well, save that conversation before we get into it. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. That's a good uh, good uh, segue into that. Yep. And then we'll talk, touch on some more uh, listener questions, which I'm pretty jazzed about that. I yeah. Do, I do enjoy getting ones. those. And then along with those listener questions, and we've gotten some uh, some folks messaging us here re- re- or this season and recently mm-hmm. uh, about possibly sending us some. Oh, they make plastics, or they make a few jigs here on the side. They make whatever. Um, and so I think what we're going to do is, if, you, if you're interested in sending us something that you make, so say you make plastics or say you make jigs and you want us to talk about them, mm-hmm. what we'll probably take is send them to us, we'll get them out on the ice, we'll try them, and we'll do an honest review of them. Yep. Um, I want to be very straightforward that it's going to be an honest review. Um, we're definitely going to take, there's going to be a category of pros and there's going to be a category of cons. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'd love to help yep. some folks out and see if we can help them advertise a little bit and, uh, get their name or the product out there a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all in the name of, you know, just spreading the word on the short rod yep. show and, and, and whoever's along with us on this ride to help us entertain and, yeah. and educate everybody. On, yeah. I mean, on, on our side, it's good things with ice fishing. Our interest is just, you know, a little extra added content for us and, uh, yeah, build some relationships and. Yep. Kind of open that up a little bit. Test out some cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, maybe we can give them some feedback on, you know, we didn't like something, but I think yep. if you make this modification, you'd have a heck of a deal going yeah. on there. So. And I, I don't want to live in our own little bubble here in no. our own little ice fishing world where we don't no, <laughs> branch out and try different things yep. and and see what other people are doing and, and other other products, what, yep. what other things are out so, there. Yeah. So, yeah, please feel free. Uh, send us an email. We'll shoot you our address on yep. where to send stuff, and uh, we'll go from there. Awesome. So that's all coming up next on the Short Rod Show. Hey, Ben. So I've got this buddy that's trying to start a small business, but he's having a real tough time with his digital footprint and just trying to figure all that out. Do you know anybody that could help him out? Well, I think I do. I know uh, a couple cool guys at this company called Evergrow Marketing, and they really specialize in helping landscape and lawn care companies maximize their digital footprint and basically bring customers to them, help them get found on the internet. Really? I mean, they'll work with any business. Um, they're really looking to expand. And if you tell them that Ben and Brett sent you from the, the Short Rod Show, you can get it 10% off your first order. Really cool. 
if you're interested in the Evergrow Marketing team and what they have to offer, check them out on evergrowmarketing.com and tell them Ben and Brett from the Short Rod Show sent you. You know, Brett, I was poking around on Facebook the other day and I could just not find the Short Rod Show. What's the deal? Oh, you just got to punch us in on Google. What do you mean? We show up on Google already? Oh yeah, the Evergrow team hooked us up. Holy cow, that's awesome. Yeah. Good deal, I'll try that now. Yeah, right, you just punch in Short Rod Show and we'll come up on our website, shortrodshow.com. It'll come up on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Awesome. So people can find us all over now. Yeah, all over the internet. That's great. We're also on Instagram, too. I've been trying to keep up with that. Posting some cool pictures. When we're out on the ice, you can check us out there, too. Yeah, sweet updates. Awesome. Check us out, guys. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking jigs. We're going deep down the rabbit hole of ice fishing jigs today. Yep. It's one of our favorite topics we haven't got to really talk about a whole lot because uh, I guess for me, I wasn't sure how many people wanted to listen to us talk about jigs. Apparently a pile of them. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of feedback on people just, they're they're tuned into it. They yep. really want to learn uh, kind of our thoughts on, on using jigs for ice yep. fishing. And I had, when we first started this podcast, I had someone give us the advice because I was of, uh, don't be afraid to go deep into the weeds. That, that's what that, this individual person that said that was, that's what they go to podcast for is to get mm-hmm. deep in the weeds on something, not just to talk generalities all the time. So, yep. And there's so many things that I've learned listening to podcasts that I would never have learned any yep. other place. Yep. You can't find it on. Well, and you pick up little tidbits that other places. I, I feel like and I've noticed it in my own conversation when we talk is you pick up little tidbits that you might not think about prior to that podcast or prior to us even starting an episode and yep. then it just comes out of my mouth like, oh yeah, you know, this is kind of a realization that I've come to. So, I mean, yep. and I've mentioned it last season that there's times that we t- we're chatting here and uh, I've just come to some sweet, yeah, realizations while we're talking oh, and yeah. a light bulb goes off and you're like, man, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. So, uh, right now we're going to start off, we kind of went on rabbit hole there a little bit, but uh, yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's start off with tungsten versus lead. Ben. Yeah, the two, the two main varieties of jigs yep you have you know tungsten if you guys aren't familiar with uh is a little bit more of a new new type material it's denser it's much denser for its size you know it's just it's it's heavy yep so you can have jigs that are very heavy for their for their size um lead is kind of the old standby everyone knows you know lead sinkers lead jigs you use them in the summertime all the time um the old standby. So I'm curious a little bit when they size these, when they size lead and they size the tungsten jigs. Mm-hmm. So everything's talking in millimeters, mm-hmm. but do they do that in lead too? They talk five millimeter, uh, five millimeter lead jig or is that weight that they talk about those lead jigs? That's with? a good question. I think they just go by weight because yep. lead is kind of the standard, you know, a yep. 32nd ounce size lead jig is going to be So what's roughly, your equivalent in tungsten then? A uh, 32nd? Mm-hmm. Probably be a four millimeter or so. No, I don't know. I'm I didn't just, know if you were going to know that or not. Balling. No, that is that. Somebody, right. Yeah, somebody five, look. A five mil is <laughs> look your sixteenth ounce. Okay, there you go. Five millimeter tungsten is a sixteenth ounce jig. I was going to say I can lift one up here and tell you. No, I'm not that good. <laughs> is it sixteenth or is it was it a one thirty second? Well, thirty second might be a number five. I wrote it down here somewhere. <laughs> I was baiting you into it, and then I was going to look oh, all smart, gosh. and now I forgot what I was going to say. What, uh, what the answer was? Ruin the whole thing. But yeah, so basically lead is going to be bigger for its weight. Um, so a tungsten jig, you can get these little three millimeter tungstens. They are tiny. I mean, you can use those for real small panfish or real yep. tough bites. Um, they work really well for that. 
whereas a lead bait that small would almost, I mean, it, if you're fishing 20, 30 feet of water, it'd take you forever to get that lead so bait. So here's the, here's the conversion. Five millimeter tungsten is a one sixteenth ounce. Okay. Lead. Weight. No, it's not lead. It's tungsten. Well, yeah, but it's comparable to it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, four mil is one twenty sixth. Ooh. Three mil one fifty sixth. So yeah, you could do one thirty second roughly, and then the other one's a one sixty fourth. Yeah, just keep right? that in mind. Yeah, yeah. You Something. just cut them in half and yeah. Cut yep. yep. Yeah, I like that a little bit better. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's something definitely to yep. keep in mind. Now, what kind of mix are you usually running, Brett? Or tungsten versus lead? Tungsten versus lead. I personally, I lead harder on the lead. Uh, I don't like how I know the 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 focus and the thought on tungsten is so you can get back down there, gets quick, sinks fast, mm-hmm. keeps your line tighter, so you can detect detect bites easier. Um, but personally, we're fishing a lot of times. We're fishing fairly heavy, heavily pressured lakes, mm-hmm. and I don't like the action of the tungsten. I think I get, I get better at, yeah, it just drops out of the water, drops through the water too fast. It's just like a, it's like a, I don't know, just a puppet going up and down. Uh, we're with the lighter lead jigs and then you pair that with maybe a plastic, a larger plastic, or you pair that with, you know, two globs of wax worms and that slows it down a lot. You'd be, if you watch those and you put those in, I don't know, some sort of glass water tube, you'd be surprised at how the speed of the drop is. Well, even like watching on the, the Markham camera. Yeah, just watch just, it. Just watching how fast you're actually What I'd suggest jigging. is if you got like a free fall, one of those 13 mm-hmm. free falls or whatever, is time how fast. You can watch it drop on your dial, time how fast your tungsten falls, and then get a comparable lead and with the same trailer or something and drop that. And mm-hmm. I think you'd be real surprised at how quickly yep. uh, the lead falls, comp- or the tungsten falls compared to the lead. Yeah, and by the time you you get to, like you said, a 5 millimeter tungsten, you're talking a 16th ounce. Yeah, I'm fishing open that's, water. I'm, I'm casting out big. long rods. Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot of weight. Yep, yep. So uh, the tungsten versus lead. I'm I'm a little bit more tungsten heavy, um, but I'm also not fishing the. I fi, I don't fish a number of five. A five very never. often. Um, I've only got two five mils in my. And if I do, I'm arsenal. fishing a monster plastic on there, trying to slow that. Yep. That down or I'm a fishing a, a minnow head on those. Yep, and that'll help float yep. you up a little bit. Otherwise. Uh, what do I got here? I, I think that's probably three mil. I think that's the biggest I run. That's my most common. I think that's a four. That's my most common jig head. Is that's what? No, nah, that's quite a bit smaller than the. Well, I guess it's probably half the five. So I don't it's only got two five mil jigs in my whole arsenal. Oh yeah, here these are these are fives. Because I don't, I just don't run them. I simply don't use them. Yeah, that's, that's what this there. other one is too. Here, oh, it's underneath the oh, decal. Yeah, so fives we don't run a whole whole lot, but it's nice if you're on a real hot bite. And like you said, the fish don't really care yep. at that point what the uh, action is. They just see a bait. They just want they something. They want to hit it. Yep. Yeah. That's so, yep. Five mils are always good for. By all means, go for it. Do that. Yep. Um, but I, I, I mean, I'm not often on a hot bite because like, we're fishing public pressure mm-hmm. water. You're not often on a bite like that. Yep. Um, so the next consideration I take, Unless you have something mm-hmm. you want to continue on with the tungsten lead. No, I mean, it's, it's personal preference. If you're going to load out your tackle box, it's yep. always good to have both. Yep. Um, because there are times you want lead. There's times you want tungsten. Yep. The tungsten ones are going to be three times the cost, four times the cost versus the lead ones. Yep. So, you know, it's whatever your budget, budget and with is that, too. And right now we're primarily talking about your horizontal, like dropper jig, teardrop jig, whatever they name them. Yep, common tungsten. So, so the, jig. when you say horizontal, what does that mean? 
That means the bait itself sits horizontally in the water column. Where the other ones, the other common type of jig would be a vertical uh, jig, mm-hmm. which obviously primarily so your hooks vertically. Going straight up and down versus yep. versus sideways. Sideways. Yep. Um, the The real key there is it's not so much in the vertical presentation, but in the horizontal presentation is to make sure that bait is sitting horizontally perfectly. You want it to be sitting as horizontal as possible. You don't want it kind of cocked off at a 45-degree angle. And that is the worst situation. Yep. Um, if anything, you want it maybe even a, a vertical situation or vertical before you want it to be at a 45 because that's just – I don't know the science behind it, but for some reason they just don't like that 45-degree yeah, I think angle. it just might have to do – it just doesn't look that natural. Yep. You know, nothing can really stay at that 45-degree angle. But then I've got these – this jig that purposely puts your bait at a 45-degree angle. <laughs> I don't think I have any of those. Here. I got three of them. What are those called? Uh, I think they're yeah. dragonfly or something is what they're called. I only put them in. I use them for minnows mostly. I'll, I'll oh, put okay. little minnows through yep. them. There you go. Um, or for catfish. They kind of catfish will nip at it like that on the end. So say you're going out for the your first few times ice fishing. What? How do you know what to use? What's your? Is that a personal preference thing? Is that... Based on, on where you start going, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a personal preference on whether you start, you're talking whether you start vertical or horizontal or yep. whether you start tungsten lead. Oh, either, yeah. I think, was... I, I think my first consideration is whether I want to go vertical horizontal and then let the fish tell me whether they want it coming at them fast or they need you need to slow down and let it let that bait flutter in the water okay. a little more. Yep. Um, I don't know. I'm always, I'm a little more partial to the horizontal presentation to be honest, or to the vertical presentation, vertical. to yep. be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, you um, fish vertical a lot. Yeah, that's where that tungsten, that's where that Cadis cane, not tungsten, lead, the lead Cadis cane just comes in. I mean, it's got to be like a 150th ounce. It's super light. Jig. Yep. It takes days to fall down there. And yep. especially if you're running monofilament that wants to float a little bit anyways, it mm-hmm. takes even longer. But, you know, the, the benefits to having a vertical jig would be you're not constantly resetting it back yep. to, you know, where it needs to be in order to catch fish. Yep. Uh, horizontal jig, you better be checking it every time you pull that up the hole. Yep. Because if a fish comes up and nips at it, it's going to reset. Misses, it's going to pull it down yep. sideways, and yeah. And by the time checking it, what do you what do you do when you got to check it? So you see your bit jigs sitting down. How do you reset that knot? Like that? that's that's where you need to make sure your knot's tight. Number one. Yep. And make make sure you're cinching your knot at the correct angle, offset to be able to hold your jig. You up want straight. it to be at a ninety. Yes. You want your jig to to. From the line to the jig, yep. you want that 90-degree angle. So you can sit there and hold your line up and see where your jig's at. If it's still leaning down, then you you need to cinch it back up a little bit more and overcompensate for it. Yep. Because the heavier your jig is, the more, more, yeah, you're going to have to have a bow in your line trying to keep it. Yep. Keep the tail kicked up. Yep. So So that's a big deal. Yep. Um, I think my theory on the horizontal or the vertical presentation is is the way it kicks. Is the way I drop it. So when you're sitting up, so you got you imagine your line coming down, and you got your jig is pointing up, and your hook. You, you I mean your your jig looks like a J at that point. I mean you got your well yeah your you're line using the Cadis cane right now. Which, yeah, that's what I got. That's a very here. long. I mean, there's another one. I mean, bait. it's the same way as with this little nipper. Also, mm-hmm. is the the vertical bait. Um, what my theory is, and why you like that. So say a glob two waxworms on the hook, is that the the weight in the cadis or the weight in your vertical jig drops faster than that. So it, it, there's a lot yep. of kicking going on. Yep. So when I, when I jig down, the bait goes inverted 
drops down, and then when it catches itself, it it corrects itself to be pointing back yep. up again. So, so kicks, you get a lot kicks the tail out. Yeah, you get a lot of kicking going rocking. up and down. Um, and I think it just I don't know might just give it a little bit more action down in that direction, down in the water. Yep. But uh, a tungsten horizontally will do some of that too. Yeah. But it's but not, it's still just dropping and kind of going yep. up and down. And, yep. And you, you can kind of get to flutter a little yeah. bit too. Um, but that's if you're getting everything tuned in correctly. Yep. So it's, it's definitely worth, like you said, getting a tank of water and looking at this or watching it on your camera. Yep. That does wonders for... That is a big deal. ...figuring out your presentation because that's really what separates, you know, you could have two people fishing next to each other and one's just crushing it on, yep. a, on the same bait the next guy is. Yep. But he's got his bait tuned correctly, is looking nice in the water. He's always adjusting it. You know, he's fishing it with the right action to where that just makes it irresistible. Yep. So going back to the original question of uh, vertical versus horizontal. Mm-hmm. So I'm out there, I'm out fishing. And right at the moment when I pick which of whether I'm going to go vertical or horizontal, I'm thinking presentation or profi- bait profiles what I'm thinking at that mm-hmm. point. Then once I've narrowed that in, so now it's, now I've narrowed in, hey, I think horizontal presentation is the way to go. Now how do I select whether I want lead or tungsten at that point, Ben? What do I decide? Ooh, that's that's a good one. Because for me, I lean towards tungsten no matter what. Just so you can get it going faster. Yes, so yeah. I can fish it faster because that's my style of fishing. But I would use a smaller tungsten at that point where yep. if I want it, say, you know, I figured out, okay, the flutter really helps bring them in and, and gets fish looking, I'd downsize my tungsten if need be Yeah. and and use that to help get a little flutter. Well, I, have, th- I have a whole lot of lead stuff that I don't use very often. <laughs> we were just talking about that uh, earlier where kind of my older fishing stuff, fishing tackle, and yep. my jig box is all a lot of lead stuff. And I couldn't tell you the last time I've even fished some of these. Well, I want to I want to touch on one quick thing here where you had your where you're downsizing your, your jig size quick mm-hmm. before you move on to that part. Uh, so if you're on a real light bite also, that smaller jig, not only is it a smaller profile, but it's also easier for that bluegill to inhale into their mouth. Yep. If you got that big heavy bait, yep. they almost have to bite it. They can't suck it in. Where if you have a little tiny tungsten or something on there, then they can they have an easier time sucking that into yep. their mouth. Yeah, and if you get a decent tungsten jig that's got a nice sticky hook, yep. it doesn't matter. The if it's in their mouth and you got to set the hook, it's going to grab. Yep. Them. yep. You're going to you're going to get them. Well, it just gets you know, back there a little further. Some people think you got to have bigger baits for bigger fish. It's sometimes that there's so many variables really on that. It depends on yeah, what yep. situation you're in. Yep. You can catch big fish on little jigs all the time, but Yep. All right, now depends. you can go into whatever you were going with there. Sorry. Oh, I was just making a comment on my random jigs that I have here, but so how um, many, if you gave me a quick count, how many jigs you got sitting in front of you right there, Ben? I probably have a hundred. <laughs> I probably have. Think? And out of all those hundred, out of those hundred, uh, how, how many of them get regular use? I'd say probably 15. <laughs> it's a good, like <laughs> 10 to 15%. 15. So, so you get 10 to 15% yep. that get regular use Are the other one, the, the, the other 85%, are they like special situations or well, are they... The jig maker made a fisherman jig rather than a fishing jig. Yeah, there's definitely some of that involved. They definitely got me there. But part of it is I just like to show up to the table and just have four times as many jigs as Brett does. It's like having jewelry. And that way, you know, people think that I know more about fishing. I mean, yeah, they could think that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I've tried a lot of different, you know, jigs. And I think part of it was when I was just getting started ice fishing, 
I didn't know. You know, mm-hmm. I figured, okay, this is on sale right now for it's five bucks for this pack of twenty. Yep. And a whole, you know, a lot of these different ones that are really strange looking profiles. Yeah. I mean, they came came from this huge jig variety pack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, might as well get get all those. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these other ones, you know, picked up along the way uh, as I was figuring out, you know, what to use and how to recognize like good quality jigs. Yep. That's another big, big key uh, that I guess we've both learned about since we've started ice fishing. But um, you so know, is looking there, at some of these jigs, there's some cheap ones. Are there some particular jigs that you would tend to use plastics on and other ones you would tend to use live bait on? Or does that not matter? No, not really for me. Yeah. No. I, I, it's interchangeable. Yeah. And I don't really have live bait a whole lot, uh, besides waxworms. Yep. You yep. know, I've got a few that I would, leeches. I got a few of them that I would specifically put a minnow head on and some that I, I mean, I simply would not mm-hmm. just because the hook's not big enough to put a minnow head on in the first yeah. place. Yep. That's, that's a good. Um, point. but otherwise, yeah, there's not plastic would go on. We'll take a deeper dive into plastic here in another episode. But, yeah. That's a whole nother, um, whole nother hour. They kind of go hand in hand with your jigs, but, yep. yeah. Uh, well, what about, so I touched on a little bit about jig quality, but how do you, yep. how do you know, you know, how do you know what kind of quality jigs you're getting? If you're, you're at a bait shop and I don't have that eye, I don't have that eye. That's why you probably have a hundred of them in front of you and 90% of them you don't use because half of them are Junk. shit. Yeah. Well, if it's definitely not worth tying one on that is going to break Yeah. on a fish because yep. I've had that happen. You, With said, the you talked off. about the eyelets breaking yep. out. That's not good. What what I look for, so say, and I we talked about this earlier, is if you're at Fleet Farm and you're looking at that big, huge wall of jigs with a dozen different companies mm-hmm. on there and price points anywhere from a dollar to ten dollars, seven dollars. What's Brantner's run? Eight dollars now? Something yeah, like that. Yep. Yeah, or like Ac- the Acme, like these. Or those like, Acme rattle, the hyper rattle ones. I do like this jig a lot. Uh, this that jig by the end of the season, I always had the gold one tied. The guy, the gold one was a staple of being tied on. I don't know if our listeners can hear that. I can hear it. Oh, there we go. I heard it in the in the headphones. Nice. That's the old Acme little rattle inside the rattle jig. jig. Yeah, rattle. But yeah, Thompson. these are like eight bucks. Crazy. Yeah, they're expensive, but I do like that jig. I like the size of it and like the rattle of it. It's unique. Yep. Um, yep. I put minnows on it. I've put plastic on it. I've put waxworms on. It. I've caught fish on all three operations yeah. there. Uh, I like it a lot, especially if you're fishing water where you don't want to move a lot. Yep. And you want that noise to bring in call-in fish instead of trying to chase after yep. them. Well, that was a good tangent. Yeah. You were talking about jig quality. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Reeling it back in. So when I'm, when I'm uh, if I'm staring at the, the wall of Fleet Farm and I'm looking at all these dropper jigs, I mean, functionally, they are all the same. Mm-hmm. But what I'm looking for, number one, is, pri- I mean, price point really touched a lot of it um number two is i'm looking to see if the paint is cleared out of that freaking eye hole because some 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 if you're especially if you're getting into the smaller jigs they're a real pain to get that paint cleaned out of those tiny eye holes yeah and it looks like they just dip the whole thing in paint and let it fall wherever they want yep so that that's a big deal to me is the paint in the eyelet you can tell you're looking at a high quality jig if the paint is already cleared out of the eyelet yep yep that that's a good point um what's for you ben what are you looking at number one is price i mean there's there's definitely companies out there that advertise a tungsten jig and yeah that's it's tungsten but the way they get it cheaper is they have no detail no when it comes to the paint job they don't care about the eyelet like you said 
Then you kind of um, you know, question about the hook. A, at the, at yeah, that a hook too. that's just a piece of junk yeah. and not sharp or it's just real thin and, you know, I don't know. There's lots of ways to cheapen that up, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, looking at like a quality one, the paint job, you know, is a lot better. Not that the yep. fish are going to see that as much, but I guess that's where the human aspect of it, we yep. can look at it and say, okay. I have a tough if time. If this is really good, then it's chances are the rest of it's pretty good Oh, too. yeah, definitely. I have a tough time depicting that while it's in the package. But once you can kind of get your hand on it and see it, mm-hmm. not through the plastic in the package, you can definitely tell if there's quality yep. paint on there or yep. not. Yep, definitely. So that's good. Um, or glow jigs. Touch on the glow jig quick too while we're on Oh, paint. yeah. Yeah, throw a flashlight on it and hold it in your hand. See, if, see, see how long, it, length see how of long, glow yep. And see how bright deal. it is too. Yep. Because there are some paints that, yeah, they they glow in the dark, but it's kind of like your kid's nightlight, yeah. you know, or your stars like you stick on the ceiling of your kid's room. It lasts about five minutes. Not even. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're just they're a real dull, dull kind of yeah. yellow chartreuse color. So um, really quality jigs. You shine a flashlight on it and they just light up. Like, like What, what blew me away was the, were those Brantner jigs last year when you were fishing with those. Mm-hmm. Like, how bright that oh, glow man, yeah. was and how long that lasted. For half a second of hitting it with a flashlight. It was unbelievable. Like crazy. That stuff cannot be good for the environment. It's like, probably radioactive. Oh my oh, God. Yeah. It's unbelievable how long those things stay glow for and i mean i've bought other glow jigs that i yeah. thought were good but i don't own, i don't own any brantner jigs so i didn't know yep there is there's a reason they charge so much for those oh jigs. yeah those well are, i'm sure that paint is probably those are ridiculously expensive yeah. yeah and probably hard to work with and the whole bit mm-hmm. got only made in russia or something who knows yeah probably <laughs> some chinese thing that because they're the only ones with environmental regulations that let you use it yeah exactly. <laughs> let you produce it in the first <laughs> exactly, place exactly probably um so yeah that's that's a good way of being able to tell a little bit, paint yep. job and clearing the eyelet out. Cause yeah, in, in once you said that I'm looking through all my jigs, that I need to clean the eyelets out mm-hmm. on. There's quite a few. And I think about hook quality a little bit, like we I had mentioned it. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever ran into poor hooks on jigs. Mm-hmm. Other than like just not being sharp, even not straight out of the package. They've always oh, been pretty sharp. I've had some that are pretty dumb. Have dull you? then. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you don't know that at the time until you get nicer ones, and then, then they're you know sticking to everything, at. and you're like, oh, God. yeah, yeah." You know, you have a nice dull. sharp jig is when you're just handling it, and you can feel it sticking to your finger. Mm-hmm. You can feel that point sticking to your finger. Oh yeah, that's a good feeling. That's there. a sharp jig. Yep. Um. Yeah. So di- the different types of jigs. That's all good to go to go over just as a refresher for all you guys that maybe don't know about them. Uh, if you're just getting into jigs, I would say just test them out. Yep. Try a variety. That's yep. part of the fun because um, I don't want to just dive in and say, okay, here's my five jigs I'm going to use yeah. forever, you know, and just be kind of boring like that. So I know I know you've got some of the, you're a real fan of those crackerized jigs from Widowmaker. Oh, yeah. You're a real fan of that paint scheme. Yeah, that's cool. Do you feel that that has actually caught you fish? No. Nope. Or you just like it? Nope. 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 <laughs> the, well, the only one that probably has would be this, this pink kind of yellow. You think that one is that you think that one sep- I, I think separates that does, itself does really well from yep. versus just a regular pink. Yep. Okay. Need to get some more of those. I'm down to my last couple there. Uh oh. But yeah, they uh they work really good. Just but I think if you just had another tinge of yellow on it, not crackerized, yeah, you'd be fine. Yep. Do yep. the same thing. But um, yeah, I mean, like the, I'm excited to try these this red and black version. Mm-hmm. That looks pretty slick too. So, uh, colors, what, what, what colors do you stick with? What colors do you like to run? I'm kind of the whites, the pinks, the chartreuses. 
White's Peaks, Chartreuse's. Yep. Or okay. or doing the Wonder Bread, the old Wonder Bread pattern. See, that that's I don't a, know. That's interesting because I I really tend to shine or shy towards darker colors, mm-hmm. especially in our stained water that we run. I shy towards those darker colors because the the light. I don't know the the, the 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 what am I looking for? Uh, that darker color goes through the water better. Uh, it travels further. Yeah, the the light spectrum or whatever off your darker Ooh. colors travel farther than the light spectrum off your lighter colors. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, I tend to. Your uh, your jig box looks a lot less colorful. Than I mine. run a lot of darks, and I also <laughs> run a lot of metallic colors. I like uh-huh. gold. I like gold a lot. Um, and then also your blues and purples. I'm, I'm not, they're not usually the first one I'm going to tie on, but I'll cycle through pretty quick and end up on a blue and purple a lot of times. Nice. I like. There's something. In the in the color scheme again, or in the realm of the fish, where those bait fish and they have that little shimmer of purple or blue to them, that seems to bring them in. Yeah, well, that's good. It's it's a good variety, and that's that's why we fish mm-hmm. pretty well together. But still, your fire tiger colors are still reign supreme yeah, on a lot of things. Also, so it's tough to say. It's hard oh, to this color is it. This yep. color is that. Yep. But color it, certainly does pay a people play try to do a, it all the time. But color certainly does play a role. Yep. But that's a daily thing. Yep. That's or an hourly thing even. That's not a, oh, this lake, you got to fish chartreuse or you're not catching shit. You know, that's not a, you can't do that. Nope, doesn't quite work that way. Yep. So I have a array of colors is what I'd say. Do you want to, a little bit earlier before the show, we were talking, um, you know, taking your your regular tungsten or or lead jigs and making them a little bit better. Mm Mm-hmm. What kind of of steps are involved in that if if you're looking to tune up your jigs? Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'd make them better. I'd say yeah, it's just tuning them up to make sure that they're ready to rumble when you when you want them to go. Uh, number one, yeah, again, clear out those eye holes because there's nothing that's gonna piss mm-hmm. you off more than being on the ice and you have a painted up eye hole. How, did, how are you doing that? Going. Um, so I've got a little. I've got an eye hole clear. Okay. Yep. Um, that I, well, the problem is it's made for full size, quarter ounce regular jigs. Some of those real tiny tungsten jigs, it doesn't doesn't get the doesn't yep punch through them. Um, otherwise I've got one junk jig. Yep. That's that not that I don't use. So I use that. I use this one to poke yep. the eyelid out of the there other one. Yeah, the junk jig. I trick. have yet to poke my own finger, but I'm sure it will happen. Hmm. Uh, and then it's not that I'm really poking through because a lot of the paint, if you're buying decent jigs, the paint is freaking hard. Yeah. It's um, like baked. So you're there. chipping that paint off rather than poking through it is what you end up mm-hmm. doing. Um, scratching at it. Yep. <laughs> Trying to get it off. But I will say, too, I'm um, saying that the paint's hard is, I think it's Clam that sells uh, pliers, or not pliers, the, the the clamping pliers, the forceps, forceps that they've got the, the plastic coating on the tips. And they're, the, they're for tungsten jigs so you don't scratch up. Because these tungsten jigs are fairly oh, expensive. Oh, yeah. Yep. I got gotcha. you. Um, so you don't scratch up the, nick up the paint job while you're getting them off fish or something like that. Oh, um, cool. I mean, whenever I can, I try to... Use my fingers first to get the jig off, and then I'll go to the forceps, yep. and It'll then we'll do something else. Yeah, yep. try to preserve that paint as much as possible. But I digress. Going back to tuning your jigs a little bit. So number one, yeah, clearing the eyelet hole. Number two is making sure you have a sharp hook if you're buying cheaper jigs. Uh, number three and one, I like. I think I haven't done it, but uh, we were reading about it. Is to bend that hook out a little bit. So if you're running mm-hmm. like your typical tungsten dropper jig is to bend that hook out a little bit so then you have a little bit more hook gap for that to really hook into that fish yep i did like that tip that's a good summer fishing trick too on yep some baits that you get that are just 
you know, hooks all bent in. Yep. Not really looking out to They're grab anything tight. and, yep. and hook. Or I, sometimes I like to put a little twist on the hook also. Oh, okay. So it's not straight. It's not lined up. It's just offset a little bit. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. Cool. Uh, before we move on from jigs here, I want to talk about making your own jigs. Mm. Okay. At home. Mm. And there's a pretty cool design. You guys aren't going to be able to see it very well uh, through the video or anything, but um, it's using a summer fishing hook and using some uh, small craft beads yep. to make kind a, of a Cadiz profile. I believe that's an Aberdeen. Yep, an Aberdeen hook. Yeah, there you go. Because it's got a little offset to it. Yep. Um, but using some different colored beads. So my grandpa taught me this this trick and showed me a few jigs that he had made with this. And you don't need any bait. Nope. Using, using it. Um, they re- work really well on crappies. So this is Mississippi River up. fishing. That's yep. what we're talking here. Yep, we're talking low visibility. Mud. Mud, water. Yep. Moving water. Yep, some current to it. Yep. Um, they're really super light. There's so no you think that's something to it, being super light and being mm-hmm. in the current so they can kind of... Yeah, they just kind of float around like, uh, move around a, like a bug would do. Yep. So um, there's those options too. You know, it's very inexpensive to make those, but... We're always kind of looking out for the next cool kind of design. Yep. And that's where break out your craft kit. Yep. Try it out. Don't be know? afraid to, yeah, pull something yep. out and try it out. Yep, definitely. Pretty cool. It's got a hook on an official bite it someday. Yep. Eventually. Yep. It's got to run it enough. Yep. Yep. They'll bite. So. Yep. Pretty cool. What else you got on jigs, Brett? Um, uh, so you can tell me whether you want to keep this for the plastic, if you want to save this for the plastics, or you want to go into if this could be part of the jigs is knowing how to pl- pair up your plastic with your jig. What what color? What how do you pair up plastic and a jig together? Color wise, size wise, or should we save that for the plastic conversation? No, we can touch on a little bit because because I don't pair it up. Uh, I guess I pair it. I pair the. I don't pair them up. You I just look- grab whatever whatever you think. Um, yes, I fish the best color jig, I think, and I fish the best color plastic. Well, then I'll tune, I'll tune up from there to where. Do you try to go opposite? Do you try to, or do you try to keep Mm. them similar colors or do you try to go two contrasting colors? Usually kind of similar. Yeah. 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 I know I've seen you run the pink on pink. Yeah. I was feeding you into that question. Yeah, but I, yeah, that's tough because I I don't want to put just random stuff together, but. At the same time, I usually end up doing that. Yep. Where, you know, I'll already have a white jig tied on, and I'll use a pink plastic on it. And if I can get fish to come in and they don't bite, then I'll switch up the plastic color till it. Yep. Till it works. Um, yep. That's exactly what I was. Yep. My thought was going right then. Yep. It was initially I'm worried about the action of the plastic that I'm wanting to put on there, mm-hmm. and then we'll narrow down color. Yep. If I have those color options, I don't carry a hell of a lot of plastics with me, anyways. But. I usually rely on Ben for that. Yeah, my wallet, <laughs> plastics wallet's like busting at Yo, the seams uh, here. Uh are you gonna make another big uh nuggy purchase or do you have plenty of No, I actually think I'm good. So look looking through my variety of nuggies. I have nuggies on one side and micro nuggies filling up an entire slot. So that's what five different bags full of multiple, multiple nuggies. Nice. So and wedgies too. Wedgies have done pretty well. So I'm sitting here staring at the little nipper, the little which is nipper. like a little wannabe you're, kind of hair jig on deal. A, on a side note, you're way better at remen- remembering the strange names of jigs than the, I the, I just remember the strange named ones. <laughs> the, the, the little nipper. Uh, I like the way they look, but I don't know if I've ever caught anything on the hair jigs in the water. 
I mean, that one looks really good with that. Oh gosh, glittery looking. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Marabou hair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I don't know if I've ever caught anything on them. Yeah, I, I have a few too. I don't think I've ever really tied them on though. Either. I think this one, this the the color of this jig, and this this is the whole reason I even bought it. It's like monkey oil or something like that. <laughs> monkey oil. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah okay it's something wonky it's, like that it's like, kind of rainbow colored purple gold yeah. yeah it's oh it reminds me of one of those cars where the uh paint color changes as you look yeah at yeah it, it's by. a cool looking yeah bait. yeah that one's definitely where the color sucked me in where's that one from i have no idea i couldn't tell you i can't remember not too bad not too bad but um oh touch on your our jig boxes a little bit Oh yeah, let's, that, let's touch that on that. That is kind of cool. So, gone through a couple iterations of them. As Benden mentioned, he's staring down about a hundred jigs over there, and I'm looking at maximum, maybe twenty, thirty, thirty. Yes. Yeah, uh, what's on your other side there? Oh, all spoons on the other side. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like uh, I like a jig box that's I, number one. I can operate with my gloves on. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's got enough room. I mean, this one doesn't have a lot of room, but. Um, that I can kind of space my jigs out a little bit mm-hmm. um, because it is kind of a pain to get some of them out if they're real tight in there. Yep. Uh, number three is just mobility. I can pop this one right in my pocket. Well, and it holds the jigs pretty tight. Yep. You don't come, you don't open it back up and all of a sudden your jigs all falling out. Yep. Um, yep. Those are my key things looking at jig boxes. Yeah, what do you look the, for, Ben? These little, uh, the, the original one that I got was kind of a, a one-sided, real flat design. Um, yep. Of course, the handle broke off it, a little latch handle. So hmm. this one's relegated basically just to the tackle backpack right now. Yep. I don't break it out, you know, and carry it around with me everywhere. Um, but these ones are okay, but they take up a lot of room for how many jigs you can store. Yeah. So the more that you know, I got out on the, got out on the water and wanted to be mobile, I wanted something that was small, fit in your pocket, like you said. Um, we're using double-sided, uh, jig boxes from Widowmaker here. Yep. And they're what? Maybe three inches by three by four, maybe. Yeah. By an inch and a half. Um, so they're a real nice size. You can throw it in any pocket and they're double-sided. Yep. So I like the double side. That's the best part. And I like the latch. Yep. The latch is big enough. It's secure. I don't never had it coming off and it's big enough that I can, with gloves on, I can pop it right off. Yep. Get to the jigs I want. Yep. And the way it sits. So you see the way the, the lid sits flat down with it is that i can i can set that on the ice and i can take jigs out that i'm using i can put them there keep fumbling around with other stuff pop jigs in and out so i have a place to put things yep uh while i'm fumbling around with stuff plus it's pretty tall too like this other box is does not have the height to hold tall jigs well it wouldn't hold my spoons either you know yep so this has a lot of depth to it yeah so anyway you got to keep trying things until you find something that works that's basically what we've always been doing but yep Tweak it a little bit. These, this will the be time. my final jig box. I like this jig box a lot. Oh, so you keep the little handle on the end. That's interesting. The little uh, strap. Oh, the lanyard? Yeah. Yeah. Do you use that at yep. all? Yep. When it's in, I usually make sure it's poking out of my pocket when I got it, if I got this in my Oh, so you can just bibs. pull it out by the lanyard? Yep. Nice. That's a cool tip. I or or, or, put, it around my, or I put it around my neck before. <laughs> nice. Well, cool. Man, I'm looking low on spoons though. Jeez. So I mean, you have to stock up. We're not here to talk about spoons yet, though. That'll be next week's episode. Yep. Um, <laughs> we'll see. What do we want to touch on here quick? Are we about exhausted the jig jig talk, or do you got more you want to touch on? We got a few questions really we need to get else. to yet. I mean, the we... main the main thing I wanted to touch on was the different kinds. Yeah. How to how to fish? You know, how to know when to fish them. Yep. It's personal preference. How to how to recognize the quality of them. That's yep. That's kind of what. 
I wish someone would have told me when I was looking at jigs because I would not have ended up with a hundred jigs and fifteen that I use. Yeah, you know? <laughs> the rest of them are all <laughs> yeah half yep. junk. Yep, that'd be yep. a lot better. So, absolutely. Yeah, it can be daunting going to Fleet Farm and you see that big wall and you're just like, oh gosh, they have a hell of a variety, which yep. I feel like that's something kind of unique to Fleet Farm. Yeah, because you go to some other bait shops, not nearly as many different yep. different brands, and they kind of segregate everything out. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Whole wall. Um, we got a few listener questions. We're going to go through about three of them here. Uh, but Mitch from Nebraska, uh, he's, he says he's in the market for a float suit. Just wondering if you guys have a recommendation. Uh, he wants something that's not too bulky but still warm. Also, love the show. Well, Sweet. thanks a lot, Mitch. Um, float suits, you want to take this first? Uh, yeah, I'll start with what I got. Um, so I run the fray bill bibs float bibs i'd say they are a little bulky uh bulkier than other options out there but they're also a little cheaper Mm -hmm. um they're plenty warm i like them they're Mm -hmm. black uh they got some reflective on them they got you know all the storage that you want um yeah i don't know i like them yep they are a little bit bulkier but they're they're more of a snow pant material they're not like your canvasy material Uh, and i've noticed a little bit down on the heels they're starting to wear a little bit where it might cut or Curl up underneath my boots, sort of thing. Sometimes when they get wet. Oh, but, gotcha. Um, yep. Cool. Yeah, there's lots of different options out there. Oh, yeah. It seems like there's more every year. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've heard of a bad one. No, you really. No, no, you really haven't. I'm, it's kind of just personal preference. Yep. Um, experience, even personal yeah. experience. Like, yep. You can't have experience with all of them. Nope. Um, I know for me, a float suit was like a game changer once I got an actual ice fishing setup Mm -hmm. uh, because before that was all Carhartt bibs. I mean, that was like the standard run your Arctic Carhartt bibs. Yep. Um, You know, they're padded pretty well. Uh, They get wet pretty easily. That's the problem. They wick your, you know, snow and slush from, you know, around your boots all the way up to your knee by the end of the day. To me, that was the game changer of going from, uh, from Carhartts to going to an actual float ice fishing suit. It's not necessarily that I needed them to float. It's not that I wasn't already warm. It was that now these are water-resistant material yep. rather than soaking up water halfway up my knee. Yep. Yep, that's a big deal. So I have the the Striker Ice Predator series, um, and the Predator is kind of their – it's their lower end. It's not their lowest end. Um, I think now they have like a Trekker yeah, series that's, that's, lightest. that's even lighter. Um, but the Predator, for me and the way I fish – if I'm either I'm either moving around a lot on the ice yep. and I don't want something that's too warm or I'm in a shelter when it's super cold yep. and my jacket's off anyway. So the Predator series is kind of you know the middle of the road a good option to to have both where you're not too warm um but you're also plenty warm when you want to be. Yep. Um it's breathable and all that. It's it helps me be mobile just by the fact of I have my knee pads the little gator skin over covered over them. Knee like, pads are also big. Oh yeah, no big deal. It does help a lot. Yep. Kneeling on the ice, kneeling on the ice all day, running, jumping around to different holes. Yep. Um, you know, staying warm and dry. So. so I'm trying to think as you were talking all the different brands and options of float suits. So you got Striker, mm-hmm. you got Eskimo offers their own size. Yep. Um, you got Fraybill, uh, Clam. Yep. Uh, Strike Master. Strike Master has their own. Their surface. Oh, you're right. You're ribs right. and yeah. suits. Yep. And that Norfin. Yeah, Norfin. Heated yeah. One. 
yep. heated op float option. Yep. So these are all float floating options, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Not Coast Guard approved flotation, but yep. added flotation just to help you get a little, you know, ten or fifteen. So there are definitely some options. Um, I'd tell you probably the only reason I had stayed away from clam is because I think their colors are ugly. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> bright, bright. Uh, uh, turquoise. I, if I was going to buy some new ones, I think I'm leaning toward Eskimo stuff at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, just because I like their color design. And I well, then you can match your shelter too. Yeah. For some reason, I, I I don't know. I just lean. I like that a whole Eskimo brand. Yep. I've just been all over it. It's the red flannel. Yeah, it is a yep. lot. I do like red flannel. <laughs> cool. But yeah, definitely uh, out in Nebraska, any of those options would be would be fine. Yep. Uh, maybe the guys up in Canada are fishing the climate suits. Yeah, know, the a little real heavy, heavy uh, gear. Yeah, you but. don't need warmth wise. If his concern is warmth wise, I have not ever ran into a float suit that's not no. plenty warm. I mean, I I just run the float bibs and then I run my Cabela's uh, hunting jacket mm-hmm. parka deal. That's rated for freaking sub-zero antarctica <laughs> yeah and i've i mean i'll sit on a bucket negative 10 and i got no problems yeah yep uh next question james from indiana love the show heard you guys talking about a recon five how oh, well yeah. does it work in dirty and stained water i'm from indiana and i hardly ever see guys out with cameras i'm really interested in getting one are they worth it yeah that so start with the the run in the camera and then you can comment specifically on a recon five so He's he's talking specifically like dirty and stained water and what you'll see with a camera. You'll always see something. Okay. Yep. There that was my main concern getting a camera too, where everyone said, Well, you're not gonna be able to see anything, you're gonna take it out on these lakes and there's you can't see half a foot in front of you yep. in the summer, whatever. Uh it's a different perspective under the ice, especially water clears up a lot. It yeah, settles down. Yeah, especially you get some sun shining through the ice, yep, brightening things up. I've never had an issue seeing things through the camera. Now, distance is a different Distance, story. can it can range from, you know, one to two feet. And that's when it's real muddy, real real stained, a lot yep. of floating stuff in the water, um, out to, you know, 15, 20 feet. So you're still in Iowa. What's the farthest you think you've seen in Iowa waters? 15, 20? I think 15 or you 20. You actually got that, yeah. yeah. Yep. And, and it's not real useful past 10 past feet. That. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're... It's you don't get the detail, uh, I guess, with the the yep. recon series. There, it's not the HD series. But like even they have now. even in the situations where you're not able to see very far, so you drive it down the hole and you're only able to see two feet around you, mm-hmm. there's still valuable information. To I think down so. There. Definitely, I mean, you can still say, yeah. hey, how what direction is that tree leaning? Is it leaning towards me? Am I in the branch area or am I in the stump area? What mm-hmm. what uh, how many branches? How dense is that structure? Uh, I'm dropping it down. I'm seeing fish, but I'm not. They're not biting. What am I looking at? Yep. Am I looking at little bluegills? Am I looking at catfish? Am I looking at shad? Yep. yep. Um, that sort of deal. So there's value in there. Yeah. Just fish identification and structure identification is the main reason. Yep. To get a camera. Um, the other thing, you know, as I th- as I think about fishing with kids, that's super cool to be able to throw a camera yep. down and just keep them entertained looking at. Fish. I definitely would not use it as a replacement for a flasher, though. I don't think. No. No. If you had to decide fishing with the camera only or flasher only, it's flasher, flasher right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a lot, a lot, uh, a lot more you can interpret, I guess, from it, and mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to fish off of a flasher than off yep. of a camera. So now comment a little bit on your specific experience with the Recon Five. My my experience is not very good. Yeah, but that's not to say that these aren't good cameras. It's just 
Yeah, the I, camera quality yeah. or the the video quality of it is fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's fine. So that mine's a, the longevity the is Recon the Five Plus. So it's got the DVR. You can record to a memory card. You can plug it in your TV and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool for you know getting fish strike videos and um, checking that checking all that out later with your buddies. Um, but I bought it two years ago. Used it for three four months, I think, and then maybe in February of that year just died like blue screen came on wouldn't show anything shipped it back to mark i'm under warranty um and they just replaced it no brand new one um didn't get any more warranty though so it was just a full year warranty from the date of the original purchase so i'm running on that one now and we had that scare last year the same thing happened the last time we were out just blue screen so you wouldn't turn on in two years You've had two problems. Yep. And now it seems to be working. But now I, it's back on. I might but... fire it up downstairs later and it won't work. So. Yeah. Yeah. It, now, the, now, not the best. Now the reliability is coming into yep. question. Yep. But I look at like their Pursuit HD series and all that. It looks exactly the same other than it's got an HD camera. Yeah. But your warranty situation, just fine. Oh, I mean, yeah. No, you send fine. it in, no yeah. problems. I've they dealt send with you one back three times. They've got a great warranty, warranty situation. Yeah. They've, it's, yep. it's been good. Um, even during the ice season, like getting it in, yep. turning it around, it, it was a week that yep. I was down. Yeah, you so can't ask for anything better than that. Yep, it's pretty good. But there's definitely a lot of good cameras out there, different yep. cameras, HD stuff. Um, I, we talked a little bit the first episode, the cheap Chinese knockoff cameras. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool to check one of those out because um, I've seen a couple videos of those, and they look really good too. They're, one thing I think would be is good to get with the camera is that tripod you got too to, mm-hmm. to stabilize the camera under the water. That, uh, oh, the so panner, can, the yep. panner, yep. that's, that's a big deal. Just dropping the camera down there, yeah. you're, you, you cannot hold that thing steady enough and turning it, you, you're turning it slow and then the tension on the wire catches up and then it spins real fast. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It, it is kind of a pain dealing with that. But so, the panner is handy once you got it set yeah. up. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last question here and then we'll get wrapping up. Uh, this is from David. Um, guys with all the talk about the pan optics on this last episode episode one yep i'm wondering if you looked into the hummingbird mega 360 ice yep i can't find much on it yet also i'm curious about the difference between pan optics and live scope could you elaborate yep so let's start let's let's start with the 360 ice so so the mega 360 ice yep so what that is is so hummingbird has their it's a sensor basically it's like side side imaging but they put uh put it on a rotating motor um, and it fits in a bulb. And for the most part, open water applications, it mounts to your trolling motor. Okay. Um, you have to have at least, I believe, a Helix 9 to run it in the first place. Yep. And I don't think any any of the Helixes lower than that will even read it. Yep. Um, the mega imaging is is cool. You can really see some ridiculous detail of what yep. you're seeing there. But at that point with that, you're still looking at historical data. And that's where we'll get into when we get into the panoptic stuff. Um, but sticking with the 360, we had talked about it because Brandon mm-hmm. has a 360. Well, he sold it. I talked to him on Friday. Yeah. He said he sold it. Yep. But yep. Uh, we, had, we were like, man, you think we get Brandon to hang on to that, see if we can rig something up and yep. use that. But at what you, the problem you run into is you got to run that Helix 9. Yeah. That's such a big unit. Um, you got to dang near bring the, yep. the boat battery with you. You uh, need lots of power and you need lots of space yep. and it's not nearly as mobile. Yep, um, which you still need those with the pan optics, but they got those a little bit more now, set up for it. That 360 ice this year they came out with a mount 
to yeah. specifically. So the only difference it, is right? that it's a mount. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there's some software uploads or something like that that you load, but really the only thing that makes it 360 ice is the is a mount to mount it in the hole so you don't drop the whole deucer uh, okay. in the hole. Gotcha. That's the only thing that changes. Um, it's still cool. I mean, it still allows you to pan around your hole, allows you to see, hey, there's fish 50 feet over this direction or whatever. Um, so I think it is cool technology still, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it gives you a better idea of what that structure is than the panoptics does. Yep. So that, to me, that's the biggest difference between the technology that Hummingbird's putting out versus what Panop Garmin's putting out is they get, they give you some great idea of what that structure looks like from an overhead view. Gotcha. Where that Panoptics and the live scope is giving you kind of a, I don't know, a more directional. Yeah, more of a yeah, looking smaller, view. Smaller view. Yep. Cool. Yeah, but there there really isn't much about using it for ice. No, because I mean, it's first year they searching first year some YouTube got it videos and nothing. First year they've got it. Yeah. Cool. And then so Panoptics and live scope. The difference between the Panoptics and the live scope is detail. So live scope just gives you like the red blue blobs floating around in the water. Panoptics. Or yeah, Panoptics. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So Panoptics just gives you the red blue blobs kind of in the water, and you can see you can't tell what fish you're really looking at. Um, where the live scope gives you uh, tenfold in the detail department. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you it'll break down individual branches if you're looking at a tree. You can see uh, individual fish sitting mm-hmm. sitting on that tree. Where if you were looking at that same tree with just the panoptics. You're just seeing a big red blob, red blue blob, and you can see a few things moving around in it. Yep. Um, where, you could yeah. tell a crappie versus a bluegill. Uh, I don't know about that. You could tell a crappie versus like a walleye. Yeah. But I don't know about versus a bluegill. They got very similar shapes. I, don't know I think you, you could. That. If you get. They don't show you color. But no, yeah. That's all right. uh, the <laughs> other thing, the, the other thing with the two is, <laughs> is power. Yep. Live scope takes a heck of a lot of power. And the Panoptic still takes a lot of power, but quite a bit less power. Yeah. And from my understanding and some reading, I don't have actual experience with it, but my reading of it is live scope gets you incredible detail, but it doesn't shoot out as far as the Panoptics. So okay. live scope, maybe yep. it's only good out to about 60 or 70 feet, where that Panoptic will shoot out to 100, 125 feet. And I think that's both horizontally and vertically. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking down or looking out. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Panoptics is kind of the... I'd say Panoptics is more of the mobile version. Yep, yep. the more uh, mobile ice fisherman setup versus yep. Live Scope, which is really good on a boat. Yeah, you need a lot if of power. If you have a lot of power to run it, yep. you have a... You I know, was reading on a Garmin few forums where... Nine-inch series. So I was considering, you know, maybe we could get that. Maybe I should just, you know, just not worry about it and just step it up and buy the latest thing. Yeah, and it's like a thousand bucks more. It's a thousand dollars more, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just takes so much power. I mean, you, at that point, you're lugging out. Unless you're going to spend seven hundred dollars on a lithium battery, a lithium thirty amp battery, uh, you just will lug out a car battery or your regular boat starting battery. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you're just talking about so much weight and it's so big. Yep. You just well, you about got to pull a whole sled out just for that one yep. unit. Yeah. Cool. I think those are really good questions. Keep them coming, guys. Um, we definitely like uh, getting into it and yep. and chatting about whatever's on your mind. Um, you know, some of these will send you guys a response back to you or, or bring it up, bring them up on the show yep. at some point. But Oh, I will mention too about the difference between the Panoptics and the LiveScope is I don't know the exact model names for Garmin units or Garmin monitor unit, head units, but you have to use the nine, I think you have to use the nine inch version for the Panoptics. Uh, seven the inch. seven inch version on, or 
yeah, the seven. <laughs> sorry, you have the seven inch version can run the panoptics, but to run the live scope, you have to get the nine inch. Whatever yep. I don't know the exact like model, the ninety three CSV or 90, the size of the screen SV. has to be the nine inch screen. That's getting into it then. That's still like big. So. I mean, and that's both of those more power for the display and that, the transducer. That's the problem you run into with both the three sixty ice and the live scope is man, that's just a lot of power you got to start bringing with you. And yeah, you have the capability, but right now to buy yeah. the batteries, the lithium batteries, because you exactly. want to go light, you're you still be under forty pounds with it. Shit, you're talking about freaking. $600 batteries at that mm-hmm. point. Yep. Yep, not on the short rod show anytime soon. We'll see. Yeah, that's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah, we'll see. So, cool. That's some good chatting today. Yeah, I think this will be a good episode. Dang. Pretty excited about it. Always a good episode. Always a good time. Yep. Chatting ice fishing here, even if it is 65 degrees out. Yep. I'm looking forward to getting more into the weeds <laughs> on other topics. Yeah, we have a lot more to come this, this season. I mean, we're basically just touching the surface on Yeah. I think we're still going to try to focus on, on gear topics, so. gear here that early in the season while people are still thinking about buying stuff. And Yep. Yep, then we'll be out on the ice recording and having yep. a good time catching fish like we always do. Yep. Awesome. Well, get in touch with us guys on our website, shortrodshow.com. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. Um, at YouTube. Short Rod Show. And then, yeah, our YouTube. Um, YouTube channel this year is doing pretty well. We're getting a few views. Yeah, picked up like 32 new um, followers this past you week. Know, We've got had good feedback so far, so we'll keep doing it. Yep. You guys get to watch us uh, how we record and how everything looks. So good deal. Well, we'll catch you guys all next week on The Short Rod Show. Mm-hmm.